What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Uh, it's good to have you all here today. Today with me is the Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at Click.io. His name is Dave Carr, and cool thing is, he is a massive guitar fan, just like me. I know you guys are listening to this right now, but um, behind him, about 6, 12, 15, maybe I'm missing some guitars. So definitely an awesome guy just knowing from that. So Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah, Sam, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, and it's uh, it's crazy. You know, you, you bring up the guitars when the pandemic hit last year. Uh, so many of the calls we were doing in our company, we put on virtual backgrounds. And I think somewhere along the way, we got lazy. I started having mine up. It's crazy how many conversations I've started with folks like you. They're, they're also enthusiasts. So it's a, it's a great way to pretend that my hobby isn't a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can, it can definitely get like that. So it can be pretty expensive, but it's worth it. But um, to kick things off here, question we just started asking is if you had to choose, are you a Pepsi or a Coke guy? Oh, 100% Coke. I'm, I'm okay. from okay. Birmingham, Alabama. So you're getting better and better. You're getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I feel like, you know, if you're in the Southeast, I mean, especially, you know, in orbit of Atlanta, I mean, yeah, of course. You're Coke. Like it's, it's actually, when I was a kid, it was so much so that like people would even say like, Hey, do you, what, what do you want to drink? A Coke. And they go, Oh, well, what kind? Cause everything, <laughs> it was just like a blanket for all soft drinks. That's so, yes, definitely. No, it makes sense. I probably should have known that before even asking, but it's good to get some <laughs> clarification. Um, so awesome. Let's kick this thing off. I'd like to hear more about uh, what you're doing, maybe some some of your background in marketing. Give us the rundown on Dave. Yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, um, I started my career um, well over a decade ago at GE Energy. And so I uh, started actually out in their executive leadership program. Uh, did stints in a lot of different commercial functions in that business, spent some time in Chicago and sales ops. Uh, I was at headquarters in Connecticut for a period of time doing marketing and product management, uh, moved into a sales management role in Atlanta, uh, sort of midway through that stint, and then uh, ended up running a $35 million sales region uh, for our, our uh, distribution equipment business. Um, wonderful ride, uh, you know, really enjoyed that stint. So I got a lot of, you know, uh, understanding and background in, in B2B sales. Uh, my goal was always to move into marketing. And so I saw a really interesting opportunity that came up uh, in 2017. I joined on with Mayor Electric, uh, which is one of the 10 largest electrical distributors in the United States, and ran their corporate marketing team for a little over two years. Um, just a ton of fun there. We led that business through a rebranding project, which was the mm -hmm. first time that they had done any branding since the, the late eighties, early nineties, um, you know, put in digital tools, uh, marketing automation, salesforce.com, some other things to help the, the marketing toolkit. Uh, and then in 2019 had a really interesting opportunity to join as a part of a startup team here at click.io. And we do sales enablement software um, and primarily serve clients in the B2B 
space with a real niche in industrial, also life sciences and biotech uh, and measurement control devices. So I've been running the marketing team here uh, for going on two years now, a little over two years. Uh, and we focus heavily on um, equipping our uh, customers with a sales enablement toolkit so that they can close more deals and build better relationships with their clients. That's awesome. Um, what's the size of your company now? How many employees? Yeah, so I think we just actually hired a few more. I think we're a little uh, close to 22, 23 now, maybe uh, awesome. in, in total. So yeah, we've, mm -hmm. uh, we've grown really well. In fact, I'm, I'm one of the few that's in the U.S. We're actually headquartered out of Toronto uh, and I work remotely and we've got a couple other folks that, that work mm -hmm. remotely in, in the U.S. So Cool. Um, so marketing team, it, how many? I'm going to guess two or three. Yeah, it's small right now. Uh, we're actually looking to hire some additional marketing resources in the summer. So we're going to add a few interns. Uh, primarily, it's myself. Uh, I've got uh, two other uh, resources, one that, that really handles more of the inbound sales side of things. So basically, mm -hmm. all the leads we're generating from marketing is handed over to that individual. Um, and a few more that kind of wear a lot of hats. I mean, if, if you interview a lot of folks from SaaS companies, you'll know that you don't ever just do one thing in your organization. <laughs> yeah, so, so I have uh, some really, really talented people on my team uh, that are also in customer success. Uh, and then also even our executive administ uh, administration and assistant helps out a lot with uh, some content writing and editing. And so uh, we, we play musical chairs a bit, uh, but then we also use some agency help as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have one group, uh, which I'll just give a, a plug for uh, Convert Lab. Great organization if you're looking for anybody to do paid ad management. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're really the backbone of helping us structure our paid ad campaigns, which is where we produce the majority of our pipeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know you say it's a small marketing team, but 10% of an org is is not a bad place to start. So that's pretty awesome. Um, well, cool. Let's jump into, uh, I guess we'll call it the main event today. Um, content is, is basically what we're going to be talking about. Um, and let's, let's kick it off this way. So content, it seems to impact pipeline, um, especially now more than ever companies are leaning on brand more than anything, whether you're a B2B company on LinkedIn, putting out content, maybe you're promoting content on Facebook or some other awareness channels. Um, but it impacts pipeline and then it, it drops off and then it content isn't really used in the sales process. Um, can you start us off by why you think that is? Yeah. So, I mean, content in general, it's really interesting. And, and just for those of you that don't know a lot about sales enablement, uh, the primary function of tools like ours is to put content and sales resources in the hands of salespeople so they can use them in the field. So we, we deal with content all day, <laughs> both mm -hmm. what we're creating for our business and then how we're helping our clients manage content. So I'll start out with just a couple of stats to kind of give you guys an idea of what the problem is, where some of the, the improvement could be made in B2B. Um, but if you look at a lot of recent data, uh, it really shows that, that potential prospects are looking at anywhere between five and seven pieces of high value content at the front end of the sales cycle. Um, I was reading a recent report. I can't remember if it was Aberdeen or McKinsey, but they were reporting on how you know, this whole idea of 70% of the buying cycle happens before someone interacts with sales. I think that's something mm -hmm. that we as marketers have known for years now. Well, post COVID, those numbers are looking more like 80%, right? Mm -hmm. And not only that, um, they did a poll of, of business executives who basically said, 89% of them said, hey, the new ways of, of engaging clients are here to stay. That way is now digital. And 75% have said, digital is just as good, if not better 
than the channels that we were using before. So when you look at that whole dynamic of what's happened after the pandemic, content is, is the bigger king than it was even before, because it's, there's so much consumption of that, both through awareness channels, um, you know, so many companies I mean, like us, we're using content in our, our targeting and how we're getting leads and conversions. But the big drop off happens when those prospects get in the sales funnel. And so uh, one number I like to talk about a lot is that over 70% of the content that your marketing team is creating is going completely unused by sales, just full stop. And, and if you think about how much you're investing and, and where you're wanting to generate ROI, like, yes, that helps to generate people into the funnel, but what about after they're there? And so that's where the big problem really in lies is how do you get that content, put it in the hands of salespeople so that they can actually use it when and where it's needed to lead better customer conversations? Because the buying cycles are getting longer. They've been getting longer for years. And, and we're now in a situation where, you know, you've got buying committees that are bigger than they've ever been. You've got more millennials as a part of that committee than you've, than you've ever had. Uh, and the complexity of solutions is just getting so much higher, especially for, for B2B. Mm -hmm. So couldn't there be an argument that when a lead is now qualified or it's an opportunity, aren't they still seeing a lot of the content in awareness channels or is the sales enablement um, content that you're talking about like a lot more in depth instead of just awareness that you'd post on LinkedIn or, or promote through Facebook? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think this is a place a lot of marketers kind of get, get sideways. And when you go back to your basics of how are you creating content for each stage of the funnel, right? So there's mm -hmm. top of funnel content, there's middle of funnel content, there's bottom of funnel content. A lot of that content that's going to work really well to get people engaged in awareness channels is not necessarily what you need to be using down the funnel, right? So if, you, if we go back to this idea of the flywheel, you know, and if, and if any of you are, are I mean, mo I think most of your listeners are probably marketers, so they probably know what I'm talking about. But for those that don't, the HubSpot model that says, hey, you need to take your funnel and turn it into three-dimensional space. It's all about attracting interested prospects, convert them to customers, delight those customers, and then let those people become advocates. And all of that happens in one big flywheel. Um, so when you think about how you're bringing those customers into the bottom of the funnel, you need to start leveraging things like customer testimonials case studies, video content, and, and again, testimonials uh, and, and uh, data points from your successful customers that can help them continue that journey. Uh, one really good, uh, you know, middle funnel content uh, opportunity is just what content you're creating out of your webinars as well. So mm -hmm. both inviting those prospects to take part, posting that content on demand, breaking down pieces of that and using that to write blogs or create eBooks or checklists or, or whatever it is your company may be producing, but there's there's a very different approach for the content that you're going to use strategically at the sales level versus what you're going to see in in awareness hmm. channels. Hmm. Um, so let's say we've identified the content, top, middle, bottom of funnel. How do we get our sales team to actually use it? I guess that's <laughs> the disconnect, right? I will tell you where most people go wrong, and that's. Uh, folks will say, Hey, well, we've, we've got a SharePoint. We hear this all the time. <laughs> we've got, we've got a Dropbox or fill in the blank, some sort of, <laughs> you know, folder based solution that we store yeah. all our content. Well, the problem is number one, <laughs> none of those systems are very intuitive for sales to use, especially in the field, or if they're presenting through digital channels, like we're all hosting so many zoom meetings now. 
uh, you can't really run a presentation or conduct a conversation by clicking through a bunch of Zoom folder, uh, uh, SharePoint folders or, or Dropbox folders. So number one, you got to make it easy for salespeople to, to mm -hmm. get the content. Number two, going back to this idea that things are becoming so complex now in the sales cycle, especially for industrial B2B or more complex B2B, it's not as simple as just saying, hey, here's a brochure mm -hmm. or here's a spec sheet. There, there's a lot of content that goes into that because you, you never really know where your conversation is going to take you. One minute, you could be going over a specification sheet or a technical document. The next minute, you need to be sharing a video that shows an example how an, an existing customer has actually deployed that solution and what value they've gotten from it. So where sales enablement comes in is it gives you the ability to host that content in the system. You can deliver it in a much, much easier format. Um, and there's a lot of great solutions out there. I mean, you know, ours is, is one of many. We don't use folders in ours, so that's actually one of our value props. It's all more like Netflix style, so we deliver it to you on demand based on what kind of client you're engaging with, and we do that through mm -hmm. filters and tags. Um, but again, if, if you're using CRM and you're using it well, you can connect sales enablement to your, your CRM system, and it can actually recommend content to salespeople so they don't even, you know, I hate to say it, but salespeople sometimes don't have time to think, right? It's just mm -hmm. we're moving from one thing to the next, almost in a whack-a-mole fashion. fashion. And sales enablement can help proactively equip them with the content and information that they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. And you can do the same thing with training as well. I mean, I know it's not as fun of a topic to talk about for us marketers, but, um, but training is a huge piece of it. And, and sales enablement can help deliver that alongside content so that salespeople really get a full playbook in their hands to actually go out and, and have better conversations with the clients. And um, just some data points on that. So um, if this is from our client base, but it's very common across the sales enablement landscape. You know, we see up to 70% reductions in sales prep time from using sales enablement. So imagine what your salespeople can do with that time back in their day. And we also see uh, more, more converted deals all the way up to 20% increases for mm -hmm. sales users that are in the top percentile of, of using the system. Um, so th it makes sense. And, and the numbers are there, the, the value is there. And I think for companies that are choosing to go down that path, they're dramatically outperforming their competitors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned that, that sales are kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Like they have a lot of things going on. And I don't mean that in a negative connotation. Um, I just mean that they have a lot going on, right? You brought that up. So what would you say to marketers when they're, they're creating this, this content for sales? And obviously it's hard to pull it up in a sales call, like a data point or uh, a blog post or invite them to a webinar on, on a call because there's just so much content out there. It's hard to remember. Um, so is this something that they should be sending before they get on a call with a prospect or is it they're listening on the call and they're like, oh, you know, they mentioned this. I'll shoot them an email with this link to this case study or this blog post. What has been your experience with that? Yeah, all of the above. And I, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I wish I could give you one simple answer, but the, the yeah. reality is every business is different. And, and based on how you go to market, how your sales team is structured, all of those things are variables. But, but with br big, broad strokes here, um, one thing that I think marketing teams don't do enough of is talk to their sales teams. And, you know, and I say this too, because I'm a marketer who was once a sales guy. <laughs> so, so like, you know, I, I've seen both sides of the table and I can tell you it's true, no matter what people want to say, it's by and large marketing teams are not well aligned with sales. Um, when you look at organizations that have well aligned teams, 
the numbers speak for themselves. And, you know, there's been so much research published on, you know, the percentage of of revenue. And I think that there's the numbers right in my head, like 38% more revenue is generated by organizations that have well-aligned sales and marketing teams versus those that, that don't. So number one, I would say to marketing teams, talk to your sales team and even further talk to your clients. You're both those that are, you know, have been clients for years, talk to your prospects and understand what sort of challenges that they're going through, understand what kind of content is resonating with them. And all of that's basic marketing one-on-one, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so much, I think that gets lost in B2B because so many companies look at marketing as the coloring in department, not strategic. They don't view them as a strategic driver of revenue. And so the more you can get invested in helping marketing and sales come together to create and deploy that content, the better you'll do. Um, so I know that's a big general answer to your more specific question, but I would, I would just say by and large, if you're driving cohesiveness between the two teams, a lot of the problems fix themselves and the content and the engagement starts to become much more natural because you've got teams that are actually coming to play together. Mm-hmm. When it comes to creating the content, uh, are we talking ever, ever, can't even get that word out, evergreen content, or is it a lot of per prospect basis type of content, type of content? So you get a prospect in uh, the pipeline and you're like, Ooh, you're, you're communicating with sales and, and you know, if we create a piece of content or create, I, I heard the term of fake in uh, like a fake <laughs> webinar to kind of coax the deal along. Um, have you had experience with that or is it just content you create once and then it's a stockpile that they can pull from. What are some ideas there? Yeah, again, that's it's it's really hard to say because every industry is different. Every team is going to be different. But I think mm-hmm. number one, taking action based on what's in the pipeline and converting is always a priority, right? So if going and creating a piece of content is going to help you sign a half million dollar deal, like go create the content. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know, and but and, but on top of that, like you know, and, and we 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 do this as well. I mean, there's a lot of times we'll get into a conversation where somebody will say, "Hey, you know, we're looking at this system, but we we really want to understand how sales enablement can play with, say, a PIM system, you know, or or a digital asset management system." And so there have been times that we've said, oh, wow, hey, this is something we've heard come up multiple times from prospects. We need to go create content on that because not only is that going to solve the problem today by us giving that content to them to, to help accelerate this sales cycle, but we're obviously going to encounter that again, right? So mm-hmm. I, I would say anytime you can do it where you create an asset that can become evergreen, absolutely, right? Why would you not? If you also have to create a piece of content that may be only a one shot, but it helps you close a half million dollar deal, again, why would you not do that? So it's it, it it's really going to be based on how you're going to market and, and what the needs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Um, cool. Well, let's move on to the the next segment of our our show here. So we've been doing something different. Um, basically, it's it's where I hand off the mic to you and give you an opportunity to interview me. Um, so it's kind of fun to mix up the show. Uh, is there anything on your mind where it comes to questions that you want to ask me? Yeah, no, this is, this is fun. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing, one thing I think so many companies are thinking about now post pandemic and in the middle of pandemic is how can they better leverage their websites for conversion opportunity? Um, 
you know, we all talk about the value of our website. And again, going back to that 70 to 80% of the buyer journey is ahead of talking sales. What advice would you give B2B businesses on how to better leverage their websites for conversion? Mm -hmm. The first thing is you need to know who you're talking to. So that means listen to customers and get a grasp on their knowledge of the industry. Um, and the reason you want to do that is because when they go to your website and they see lingo and words and industry phrases, they either know it already or they don't. And the only way that you're going to understand if they can communicate in the same way that you do is by talking to them. So that's point number one. So if you have um, prospects and buyers that understand the industry, then start using terms that they understand. That's great. But if not, then you need to dial it back. And I think that's one of the biggest things I, I run into when I'm on B2B SaaS websites is I get to the website and <laughs> the best thing is I already know what the company does, but I get to the website and all of a sudden I'm confused again. And I'm like, that sh that's not how it should work. People are coming to your website to get the final 10% of the way. And I actually got chirped at a little bit on LinkedIn because I said something similar about this was, no, that's not really a number. It, I just made it up. But if you think about it, people are, <laughs> a lot of times are coming because of brand, because of what you've been doing to your website to finalize the deal. They're trying to right. legitimize who you are as a company. They need to know, oh, okay, this makes sense. I'm going to go ahead and book a demo or whatever it is, right? And if they get to your website, and they know what you do, and then, and then they get to the website, and all of a sudden it, they're confused again, then you're, you've lost. So it needs to be a co cohesive mesh message from start to finish, from whatever it is you're doing in brand, in content, from when they move to the website. Um, and I see that all the time of just companies that are just so confusing, and they try to cram everything into a page about the benefits, the features, and it's just overwhelming, and it makes me want to leave the website. Yeah. Well, and I guess bolt onto that question. I mean, what are your thoughts around how marketing and messaging starts to play into that? And, and I'll sort of preface that with, you know, I mean, one thing like we focused on really heavily in our business is a very clear, cohesive messaging guide. And again, mm -hmm. like understanding your ICP, how you, how you leverage that, but like what big building blocks of that do you see going into the website? I mean, granted, it's always the homepage, but what about, you know, landing pages, product pages, all, how does that differ? How does the messaging start to differ as they go through that journey? So give me a little bit more context on the question. I think I'm a little bit confused. So you're saying the difference between the pages or how, what I've seen in like the difference in the messaging? So you mentioned many times you see people hit a website and mm -hmm. the message is not clear enough or they're confused to not be able to go through that journey. How should a good website be structured with messaging so that you're leading them either from your homepage to your product page? If they came in from a landing page, maybe that's yeah. a little more clear. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's better. Um, when someone lands on a website, whether it's the homepage or the landing page, uh, the main goal is you want them to, to be able to answer three questions without needing to scroll or sit there and, and really figure it out. The first one is, what does your company do? Second is, what problem do you solve? And the third is, how do they buy? They should be able to figure that out before ever scrolling or digging into the website. And it's like, oh, they, they kind of already know what we do. That's not always the case. Just be clear first and foremost. Just get it out there and get it over with. We are a CRM platform. 
man, if half the, the CRM platforms out there actually did that instead of trying to get all clever and creative and making you dig and paragraphs of all the features and benefits they have and just told us, oh, by the way, this is a CRM platform. Here's the rest. It would save so much time for people on the website and probably improve the conversions because they're clear. Um, and I think when it comes to that cohesive message, uh, just answer those three questions. And then that should spark the curiosity to get them to continue scrolling or digging deeper into the website. Yeah, great, great insight. So a last big question I would, I would ask, and this is something that we're constantly A-B testing you know, inside of our organization, landing pages. Do you have any magic formulas or, or uh, advice or, or tips on creating landing pages that do a really got, good job of conversion, pr- primarily through awareness channels, ad-based campaigns, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, I would build off what I, what I mentioned before. So what do you do? What problem are you solving? And then how do they buy? Give them those options up front. That's, the second thing is... Um, I would follow the story brand framework. I don't know if you're familiar with Donald Miller and in, in their work. Um, that's what I tell everybody to follow on, on the website. So they, it's basically you're guiding your buyer through a journey on your website. And if you can do it in one page, that's great. So you're, you're showing them, hey, you, you're the hero and we're here to guide you down the process of making you win the day, fixing your the problem that you have. Um, so when it comes to a landing page, I think, just dialing it back and following a framework like that, where you're positioning your your buyer as a hero, uh, yourself as the guide, and you're just here to make sure that that they win, um, is really how it should be done. And you don't have to overcomplicate it. And I think there's a lot of thought and too much thought that goes into well, how do we convert something better um, when really we can just dial it back and and just follow the basics. Right. Great insights. Hey, cool. All right, man. Well, before we go, I do want to wrap this up with like your elevator pitch for click.io. I know we touched on it in the beginning and it tied really nicely into what we were chatting about today. Um, but give us the the sales pitch here. Tell us why we should go check you out. Yeah. So uh, we are a sales enablement platform that's built specifically for B2B and we help our clients close more deals and build better relationships with their clients. And the way we do that is we take your marketing content and we convert it into a way that you can have sales conversations. We collect a tremendous amount of data in our system and we convert that into direction that you can use to run your business. Um, and that's everything from, you know, what kind of email open rates are your salespeople getting? What kind of content views are they having? How many times over, over a, a period of time are they viewing um, so there's a lot of analytics that we give salespeople as well as marketing people. Uh, and the final thing we do is we take sales reps and we turn them into sales experts. And we, again, we do that by delivering resources, content, training uh, to the salespeople when and where they need it so that they can better manage that entire sales process. Um, so, you know, companies that we have a really good fit with, if you are in any sort of complex B2B uh, specifically like industrial automation control, measurement control devices, biotech, life sciences. Uh, we have a great portfolio of customers. We work with big international companies like Honeywell, Mettler Toledo, uh, Filtration Group, Brooker are all big clients of ours. Um, and we, you know, for all of those, we, we have really driven some big impacts. And again, I go back to those numbers, like 70% reduction in sales prep time, uh, 20% increase in closed deals. Mm-hmm. And for marketers, 
the real value you get from sales enablement in a system like Click is you can begin to correlate ROI with your content. Because again, we, we give you all the visibility to see what's happening with that marketing content after the customer comes out of your traditional marketing channels. So all of us as marketers, like we can collect all the attribution metrics on, you know, our social campaigns, our paid ad campaigns, our website uh, traffic, but all of that starts to get lost when you get to the sales uh, portion of, of, of the cycle. Um, so we give marketers the, the ability to have visit, um, visibility into that as well. Um, so if you want to learn more about us, you can check out our website. It's uh, click K-L-Y-C-K.io. And uh, hopefully, you know, our website is set up good for conversion. You can be the judge. Um, it sounds like you've done some work on it. So I, I, I'm sure it is. But, uh, but yeah, check, check us out. We've got some short videos on there that tells you uh, more about us and, and how we work. Uh, and if anybody wants to uh, get in touch with me, I'm extremely active on LinkedIn. Uh, my last name is K-A-R-R, so Dave Carr. And uh, you can look me up, uh, give me a shout out. You know, I always like to get in, involved in, in conversations or, uh, or shoot me a DM if there's anything that, you know, you hear in this conversation that you'd like to connect with. Uh, it's always fun to, to connect with other marketing marketing executives. So yeah, it sure is, man. Well, Hey, uh, Dave, awesome having you here. Uh, this, I, I like how your topic tied into what you guys do. It's, you're obviously passionate about it. Um, great job, man. And appreciate you being the guest today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Tim.